We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 393 of the Win and Six podcast, proudly a part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Hour Podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always is my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. Hello, there he is. <laughs> How are you doing? Doing well. Um... We were how, here a how week are you, ago. How are you braving this, you know, coachless world? I mean, coaches do still exist. They haven't all been wiped off the face of the planet. Uh, but there is no books, coach. It's been it's been quite some time since we've been in this spot. Yeah, we have we still have coach buses. We still have the reruns of Coach the sitcom, Craig T. Nelson. Um, Coach Carter, you think that's still Coach Carter? Dreamy? Do you think he's going to get a look at? You know, <laughs> he did coach basketball. Well, seemingly, the net is very, very wide. <laughs> yes, it is. There is one person that I believe emerged today as I was catching up on things that caught your eye, and maybe not for the greatest reasons, but uh, <laughs> well, we we could touch on some of that briefly. We are, we're not going to go into the nitty-gritty of coaching and coaching candidates on this episode, which you're probably going, what? That seems weird. The books are trying to find a coach. The reason why we're not going to do that is we're going to have a crossover episode um, 
All four of us. Tyron. Well, we actually, we, if Rohan is available, we have a comparative. We're saying this to put our feet to the fire of having this, is... this come out before the Bucks select their next coach. Well, that's right. That's that's definitely true. And you know, I've taken to this. I announced a a succession pod that would feature GSPNers beyond myself <laughs> and Andrew like a week ago that no one no you one even heard. And then people are like, "When are we doing a succession pod?" And I'm like, "Funny you should say that." So it worked out that time. Let's just say it's gonna work at this time. Early next week, though, we're gonna we're gonna go deep. We're gonna talk through. I guess all of the coaching candidates who've emerged, and maybe we'll finally commit to some personal favorites. I know Ty and Rohan are out a little bit ahead on that front already after the last episode in this feed. A great chat they had with UW Oshkosh uh, women's basketball coach Brad Fisher strongly strongly recommend you go and check that out a lot of really interesting insights and also ty and rohan so well worth your time but what we're gonna do we're gonna talk first i guess pretty briefly because i don't know how much to say about this but we're gonna talk about um i mean we spent a lot of this season on winning six talking about social media posts from from coaches, from books coaches. And little did we know the top dog was out there. He was just uh, more Someone of a... entered the chat, if you will. More of a kind of uh, taking the light of land kind of social media guy. Honestly, I can relate. I can relate, but um, I don't post a whole lot either. But Bud has been out there. Um, <laughs> haven't taken a closer look who he follows is Dunlap in there? Do we know that yet? Well, let me let me check this live. Maybe maybe it'd be for the best for for Coach Dunlap if he is not. No, Dunlap has been just posting out of view of his boss for years, so that worked out okay. But yeah, Bud surfaced on Instagram um, with an account that he's posted on very sporadically and really only on family stuff over the years, and he released a statement. To books fans, and I guess the entire city of Milwaukee. Will we just will we start here? I don't. I'm sure people have seen it, but if somehow anyone hasn't, do I read the whole thing out? Is that what we're doing? I think so. Milwaukee, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been an incredible five years for me and my family. The city of Milwaukee and the entire books organization took us in and treated us like we were part of their own family. Every door that was opened, every corner that was turned, every need that was met for the entire five years helped us find our way and become part of the city. The warmth of the people and the friendships we found here gave life more meaning and purpose where it probably matters most, at home or around the table, breaking bread. Together we won a lot. Together we won an NBA championship. The first championship in 50 years. The memories of the parade, watching the entire city celebrating with the players and staff as the buses made their way through the streets of Milwaukee, that is something we will all cherish forever. The Bucks players have been the best to work with every day. The core four, Giannis, Chris, Drew, and Brooke, provided the foundational leadership. Surrounding these guys were more great players. This year, it was Bobby, Grayson, PC, Joe, Javon, Wes, Jay, Marjan, Tanasis, Myers, Goran, AJ, and Lindell. As the coach, 
I couldn't ask for a better team. This year and every year, the players made us proud. Always. The coaching staff, forever grateful to all of you. In my mind, the best in the NBA. The front office, sports performance staff, and business side were all incredibly good with their work. The partnership with John and Peter, my appreciation for both of them and their work as GM and president is very real. And the ownership group, led by Wes, Mark, and Jamie, invested in me and this team. I am grateful for all they did and for the opportunity they gave me to be the coach in Milwaukee. We all worked to get better, create a culture and environment that is enjoyed and cherished by all on the team. It has been an honor to do this job, to have a place in the history of the city, the history of the books organization. For that, I will be forever grateful. In my mind, there was no better place to work than for the books and for Milwaukee. Thank you. It's time for a beer and some sun on one of the lakes. Best, Coach Bud. Jordan, your reaction? Um, You know me, I'm a sentimental Sally. Uh, I don't know, I couldn't think of a name that's S-E, Sean. That doesn't really work for sentimental. Anyway, um... I don't know. It was. It's good to hear from Bud. You don't really think of. We talked about him plenty over the last couple of weeks, um, and I'm not surprised that his statement very much included pretty much everybody, because it's not just one man; it's a whole village. And you know, we talked plenty about Bud made people better, but the people made Bud better in a lot of ways too. So. I, I just, I don't know, I kind of hit home just how much of a family environment the Bucks cultivated under Bud. And to have this divorce um, very quickly or swiftly, I should say. Um, I don't know, it's, just, it's I, I saw a lot of people, I, I think, I don't know, it's universe, everybody agrees where we are at at this point, and you can find fault and how it may have gone down or the reasons behind it, but it's happened and we're here and we're still putting the pieces together of like how they move on from it. But the guys, if we talk about the coaches of, of Bucks and legends of Larry Costello, Don Nelson, George Carl has weaseled his way into that picture, but with who? And what's my time he did? What's my no, time? Not here. Well, not here, but I'm just you, saying. You wash your mouth out with soap, Jordan. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I just, I will forever. There's a clear, there's a top tier. Like, exactly. there there aren't enough faces yet for a books coaching Mount Rushmore. Del Harris could be, too. Could be yeah. etched, you know, kind of gently. I mean, key, key part of the, the Don Nelson era, too. But I mean, I guess the hope has got to be whoever comes next can be the fourth face up there. But like, George Carl, get out of here. I'm just saying, I'm just saying he was trying to light a fire know. under me right at the beginning of the podcast. I'm sorry. But but between Bud, Don Nelson, and Larry Castell, who the, the top three Bucks, Bucks coaches of all time, that represents half of the franchise's existence. Um, 
probably so, three quarters of the franchise's wins. Well, we don't have to talk about that, but that <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe four fifths. Who could say? I could go to basketball reference. We could minute, work that but... out, but for everyone's, you know, sanity, it might be best not to have an exact number. Jordan, leave it. I see you typing furiously. Well, we I can will get think to about it. it another time. Um, uh, <laughs> you could tweet it afterwards. People go check out Jordan's Twitter for what could be an unbelievably depressing stat. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it, this was greeted with the kind of outpouring of support that I think you'd expect, and I'm glad that at this point, that's what it is, and I hope from now for the rest of his life, that's all Bud will receive from fans of the books and from the people of Milwaukee. The sign-off of it's time for a beer and some sun on one of the lakes. Sounds like Bud isn't necessarily uh, rushing off anywhere. He he might be quite content to take some time. Allegedly, people kept telling me this when I was there, that summer does happen eventually in Milwaukee. It's happening right now as we record. Has it... it it's not a false dawn or anything. You're you're committed. It's you're convinced. This is it. Summer is there. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Oh, it, it's coming or it's there. It's not there, but it. I mean, it, as a recording, Milwaukee is a party. Seventy-eight degrees. Okay. So, Bud's ready to soak up some sun. Maybe Bud will just be like living Cheryl, it up at Summerfest. He's, li- he's listening to Cheryl Crow. Oh God, I didn't mean to set that up. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, first and foremost, I just hope that he does take a bit of time because one, I think he's earned it. Um, he has had a very, very stressful few years without even touching what his last few weeks have been like. Mm-hmm. And it's been a long, long run of continuous grind and honestly of being on teams with like real playoff aspirations nearly every year since the moment he made it into the NBA. There are very few exceptions when you look from his time with the Spurs, I guess with the Hawks, you've got his first season and his last season as the only exceptions, but otherwise they were a team going, looking to win playoff series. And that was the expectation and beyond every single year he was with the books, Um, which it's worth remembering something they hadn't done for 18 years 18 years thank you i was trying to do the maths in my head um before he arrived so yeah it's been quite a journey he's had he's put in a lot of hard work to get the books to where they are and i will i'm i don't know if if i said this in these words last week uh, which was we were very very rapidly reacting to the news i'm gonna miss him I'm going to miss everything about Bud. I am going to deeply miss Bud's face on the sideline. I'm going to miss his just whole vibes and energy. I'm as big a Bud fan as you'll find. And I'm going to miss him. Hope he lands on his feet whenever he feels the time is right for that. And honestly, I have very little doubt that whenever he does take another job, it's going to make the team a whole lot better and they'll become a team that if they're in the Eastern Conference, the Bucks may not be all that pleased to see them. Mm-hmm. So I'll be there. Well, I'll be there for Bud's homecoming. I'll be standing up cheering them. On and now. I'll be there. Just, and before we move on for this, just do it right, Bucks, too. Again, it's like, 
we we talked about yeah. this last week. I, I think there's a real opportunity for as much as like bad feeling may have set in with fans who just desperately want to change and felt like Bud has long been the problem. Cool. I, I'm not going to argue one way or another about that at this point. I, that should be gone now. That that really should just be the past, and it should be something that's pretty unanimous. Uh, maybe you and I feel stronger about this than others because it feels like the organization made a mess of this first time around when they had a a coach win a championship and they failed to really recognize or find a place in their history that was visible for Larry Costello. I don't think that should be the case for Bud. And if anything, moving really quickly is the way to do this because it gets awkward if all of a sudden, I don't know, Doc Rivers gets fired midway through next season and all of a sudden Bud is coaching the Sixers. You know, tougher to celebrate the guy then. But yeah, I I guess... I have the number. uh, Okay. 52.1% of the Bucks wins. That's much lower than I expected. Yes. That's regular season thousand, only. Yeah. Regular season only. We won't go Which to playoffs. The playoffs added in wouldn't, wouldn't give a lot to those other guys. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't think even some of them would make the list. Probably most of them. If are. I was willing to concede to you and add Carl, which I am not for the record. I'm not adding Carl. I'm just saying he was would have been considered three. Probably. Give me Del Harris. Same. Then don't put don't put the bad energy. I'm just out saying. There. I'm just saying the 2001. It's it's like Candy Man. If we say his name again, he's gonna just he's gonna appear in the Zoom here, Jordan. Um, he's gonna weigh. You never in. know who the Bucks are gonna interview. <laughs> what we're what we're gonna talk a little bit about in this episode to set the table for our larger coaching conversation. Um, with the, as the entire GSPN books crew next week is we're going to talk about John Horst a man who I was listening to um, Eric Name's low post appearance and Zach Lowe made this point that I myself was like Hmm, that's a good question. He called it the Bucks general manager, and then he was like, is he the Bucks general manager? Is he president of basketball operations? He's not president of basketball operations, right? Bucks are still GM, assistant GM, or did I miss that? Yes. He's still GM. Milton Noon is a GM. Assistant GM. Which is not nothing, because they are not just titles that get thrown about. Like, they're in terms of your security and your, there is meaning in the NBA, which is why we often see that restructuring. It's so for Horst to have gone through the journey that he has of won a championship and to come out the other side and still be GM is interesting. Um, and I would say possibly makes his position a little more precarious than some other executives might be in this kind of spot. He's had to make a lot of very significant decisions. He's been involved in a lot of very significant decisions. (laughs) Sometimes, I think, with Horst, it can be tough to get a handle on just to what extent he's always driven it. And that's not just about him. That's also 
about Buck's ownership. For example, I mean, he hired Bud, but also, did he did he hire Bud? It's it's a given that ownership are going to have strong voices in a coaching hire that is going to happen again, but also that was fresh off of you know the previous hire being the horse hire, which was a very well documented and publicized disaster, um, where the books just. I don't know, Sideshow Bob turning around and stepping from one plank to another over and over again until they went with what was the quickest and the cheapest option. Like, not to be disrespectful about it. I think it was just very clear they'd made such a mess of it and they needed to act. And they eventually acted decisively. And given how all of that played out, it couldn't have worked out any better than it has with John Horst. I mean... He's overseeing you winning an NBA championship. I still think he's interesting. And I am not entirely sold and never have been. I don't think it's something we've ever really talked about in these terms. And with that, I'm just... I don't want to say I'm excited to see how this offseason plays out. I'm fascinated. <laughs> Because this will answer kind of any of the questions I have and maybe a lot of the doubts one way or another is how he handles all of this. And I mean all of it because there's so many big decisions to be made and pretty much every single one of them has to be got right. But where there has been this kind of shift, and I think there are a lot of books fans, I include colleagues of ours among them. It's a cause of internal debate from time to time. Um, this idea of like in horse we trust. I've always just been a little bit more like, hmm, well, let's see, let's see. I mean, he's in the job, so we'll let him do the job, but <laughs> let's not go too far with it. Um, he's made a lot of great decisions, a lot of things that have been essential to the books winning a championship. I'm not looking to undermine that, but I do think one of the ongoing conversations you and I have had in this podcast really throughout his tenure has been on the philosophy of team building and on the kind of crucial junctures that come along where you've got to get your moves right or you've got to make a certain type of decision to decide what type of contender you're going to be and what your window is going to be like to decide how long you have a chance to go and win it all, to really be a high-end contender. I don't personally agree with the route that Horse took on that. And I will admit up front that that might be unfair because we only get to see the end results and we don't know about a lot of the deals that he may have tried to make. That, For example, I don't know, maybe on a draft night there's a prospect they really wanted, they tried to move up, and that's someone right now who'd be like, God, imagine if the Bucks had got that guy. One of the rare occasions where they had a pick. Um, or it could be there was a certain player available that were like, wouldn't it be great to have that player and have them under contract for the foreseeable future and see a gateway to now where we get to this point where certainly stars two, three, and four on your roster are aging, are declining, and we're looking around and trying to work out, okay, what is what is the way out here? What is the, the way out, but the one that keeps us on, you know, we want to we want to find an exit on the highway, Jordan. 
that brings us to somewhere good still. We don't end yeah. up in Nowheresville. And so with that, I don't know. He has gambled everything on the now. And this is increasingly something a lot of executives do where they come in and they manage a team through the prism of this is my job and I'm doing what I can to have the ultimate success in my time with the team. I understand that. I just don't think that would be my instincts because I would like to have as long a window as possible. This is not to say that you don't go all in on a lot of the moves that he has that I think in a vacuum have been good. And at the time, I think we've generally kind of been like, yeah, okay, that's the move you're making. Can see how that could work out. Um, He's not someone who has made any truly egregious moves off the top of my head. Hasn't drafted well. This is a much deeper rooted books problem. It feels like, but then he doesn't really value draft picks at all. All this is just essentially a setup. And this is a conversation we will have in more detail later in the summer. And Ty Windish has asked to be present for when the real conversation <laughs> goes down. Um, because I'm still keeping some cards close to my chest and all that Ty talk for himself. But I, we definitely come at this from different places. But the books in Firing Bud, they found their fall guy, right? Yes. Whatever way we want to spend, they found our fall guy. Someone had to, the axe hey. had to fall on someone's neck, right? Yep. For what happened. And the easiest person is generally the coach. Now, the easiest person is generally the coach if your GM is actually empowered, because there is absolutely zero doubt who would have been cheaper to get rid of. <laughs> yes. They're paying but 16 million to go away. They bet I don't know. Maybe there's you know an agreement happens in a situation like that, and there's a reduced kind of settlement amount. Not sure, don't know ins and outs on that. There was a lot of money, there was two years left on Bud's contract. Bud is gone. John Horse, you are next. Like, if you don't get this right, you're next, and it's probably next offseason. And then when that happens, I don't know. That's that's the point where I guess part of what we were warning of and some of the things that were flooding to our mind in the moment last week is what the firing of Bud does in accelerating your timeline towards an endpoint. Because it feels like it gives you one more bite at it to really show your you're for real. Like if, if say disaster is to strike and the books to grow out in the first round next year, horse is gone. A new GM comes in and all of a sudden you're a GM who's looking at this roster. You've got no draft picks. You've got no flexibility. The books will be a repeater tax team at that point. Um, if you have your secondary stars in the roster, they are old. I don't know what you've got to play with. I honestly, I, You've got Giannis, which is better than nothing, but building a path to a contending roster for the remainder of Giannis' career from that point is going to be nigh on impossible. And it feels in that way that kind of the best chance of doing that, the person who will be most motivated 
and has the greatest kind of incentive to keep it going is John Horst. Because if you were the person to inherit what coming out the other side, what will look like the mess that Horst created. That's a tough, tough job. Yes. Tough, tough job. I don't even know who would want that to be the person coming in at the point where Janos is approaching free agency again and all of the, the championship winning players are old and you've got no draft picks. And that makes this, I think the, like we're going to spend more time talking about who could the coach be, who will the coach be. But the story of the offseason right now for me is going to be John Horst's decision-making because it's going to be his guy and if he gets it right, we might get to see another championship or at least get to see a few more years of meaningful runs. And there might just be a Harry Houdini-esque way that they can work something out and flip older players into younger players and have another kind of iteration of a team that comes up around Giannis and can continue to be one of the best in the NBA. But it all hinges on getting this decision right. And so with that, it's as high stakes as it gets for a general manager. And I think we come to that point with Horst. What, Horst's GM, like, six years now? Yeah. Almost exactly six years. Six years next month. I would be lying if I said I knew anything about John Horst or the way his brain works. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I think a lot of people would agree. <laughs> I that's the thing is that we have talked about this a lot, probably not on a pod, because it's this black box of there's John Horst, the person, the GM. There's also John Horst, the proxy for ownership. That is how we have come to understand how he serves his role 
um, and delineating what he or delineating his moves or seeing his processes and everything like that, how he views it and how ownership does it is two different things. Is it that I believe so, but but we but, don't know, but we don't know exactly. So that's the thing, and plus two on top of this. We talk about him being six or being GM for six years now. He's been in the organization for 15 years, mm-hmm. has seen it all, seen him through different ownership changes, has seen how this ownership, Sans Lazary, um, how they came in and immediately made their imprint with personnel and management moves by hiring Jason Kidd. So when that is the introduction for how they come in to Milwaukee and start running the show. You know, it's not, it, it goes, it predates Horst and it it invites all the palace intrigue that we heard for three years before John Hammond left about how the ownership and front office, um, for lack of a better word, coexist. And those waters have obviously not been as choppy since you win a freaking championship, but it still lingers on and how this show continues because for me now that the hard decision was made regardless of whatever what your feelings are of blood moving on from the coach after even after a first round collapse like they, the bucks just had is a pretty big freaking deal like you you essentially just said yeah you won the championship for us not or, you know less than two years ago but we're not giving you that grace period anymore it's done so you moved on from Bud, and now it's about sustainability. And, and that much is clear, like post championship. You know, how do we keep capitalizing on the window that we have while you don't have any tools at your disposal? Of you know, there's no Drew Holiday or draft pick, the draft pick bundle for Drew Holiday around the corner anymore. You already you know use that silver bullet even the things about you know they did with pj tucker jay crowder five draft picks which like i know people are going to look at that number you have to look at the number that they eventually turn out to be because it didn't mean the bucks they had no value to the bucks when they were drafting them regardless and then just using them as to grease the wheels to get jay crowder like that was the the thing that was what it was going to be used for, not actually drafting players that they would probably end up cutting two years into their <laughs> time anyway. So I don't know. I, I think that for me with Horace, where we are right now is that you spent the better part of your GM tenure about winning now, winning now, winning now, winning now. When you fire the coach that, has helped you win now, win now, win now, even if there have been some losses that have been pretty painful. I just, this, it's, it is a left turn. And they could say that they want coaches that are Bud like, but just with a different person, which he kind of essentially said in yeah, comments yes. to the media. Yeah, that's what they're, he wants someone who could bring all of the same and also bring some better things, which sounds great. 
Uh, that would be my ideal Bud replacement too. If we could lose nothing that Bud brought and just get some more. A sprinkle more of what Bud didn't have, which is like, okay, then do you want a flat screen TV and a hot tub and like all these crazy, I don't know, like, it's just so crazy. And then I see, I don't know, we'll get it. It's not even about the names themselves, but it's just like the candidates that will be linked to this job, they will pale in comparison to the work that Bud did here. No one, not even Nick Nurse can say, that, oh, yeah, that's an equal footing to Bud because you can't ask for anything better during in terms of regular season success and everything like that. Yeah, I know the postseason is a blemish on his record, but, like, this is where we're at. This is the high There's, degree of difficulty of trying to find the next coach of the Milwaukee Bucks is right now. Yeah, like, okay, Nick Nurse has a championship. Guess who else had one of those? Uh, Bud had very significant and meaningful success with the Atlanta Hawks, a franchise that are not accustomed to that level of winning. And it was done in a way that was very creative and honestly was very heavily reliant on his coaching. And I mean, even there you look at kind of experiences Bud picked up because these are just, when they're talking about different candidates, they're going to try and round out the picture of, okay, who is this? So Bud comes in, this wasn't something that was a great success for him, and ultimately he was overworked, but because of the Danny Ferry scandal and the fallout of that, but spent basically 18 months where he was head coach and GM of the Atlanta Hawks. Now, that was right in the thick of a phase where that became not all that uncommon in the NBA, and where we were dealing with the rumors that mm-hmm. Jason Kidd was gunning for exactly that, which is also interesting just in, you know... You kind of alluded to it, but John Horst's early experiences under, I can't really say the current ownership now, the majority of the current ownership, the Lazary Eden's Dynan ownership when they came in was he was, 1. Part 0. Of a, he was part of a front office that was being very clearly undermined yes. and pretty publicly and unfairly so, in my opinion. And I think definitely had an impact collectively on a lot yes. of the, on not just on John Hammond, but I think on a lot of the kind of the nuts and bolts kind of ground force of this is who the Bucks basketball brain trust was, which we can look at the records through a lot of that time and be like big loss. But there were there were a lot of very, very strong basketball minded people that honestly would not have been like it would not have hurt the Bucks to have folded into a new version of things. It's not how it works. New owners come in, these things are common. But Horst came up in that environment. He may be approaching a point where he is going to be in that kind of under fire front office, except he's going to be in the top seat. You know, you have a new owner who's going to have a voice in the room, and you're not his GM. You know, Rob he's inherited. He's breathing down oh, John Horst's God, neck right now. Let's not even go there. But to your point on candidates, we're now going to, like, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk a lot about some <laughs> of the most celebrated and kind of highly touted assistant coaches in the NBA. There is not a single candidate, unless I'm, like, overlooking someone. Like, there is not one to emerge who will have had the longevity and the success that Bud had as an assistant coach. 
uh, all this is just to put all of this together and be like, maybe Charles you... Lee. No, he's he's still he's so young, he's so know, young. Man. Honestly, I think something to watch out for on the Charles Lee side of things is the Charles Lee trajectory is not all that different to the John Horse trajectory. I was about to make that comparison, but we the problem is the one thing that we cannot it to is that we have an idea of charles lee we had no fucking idea who john horse was before he got hired that's but, part of that's part of where we're at but yeah well that's in part because i mean the ownership botched their gm search to such an extent that they weren't promoting a number two or a number three or a number four even like yeah. so so horse was just below the level of people who were visible <laughs> or whoever yeah, had exactly. to speak like so I think yeah, in that sense I agree with that. Um but in terms of exceptionally young for you know, opportunity to go to the top seed, having been true with the previous regime, but don't judge me by that. I've got all the knowledge from that time, but I can bring my own thing here too. Like I there could be something there. Now, saying that <laughs> they may not have like the best relationship in the world. I'm not saying that based on any knowledge. I'm saying they know each other a long time. So Charles Lee is going to come with preconceptions about what it would be like to work as head coach of the books and with a closer relationship with horse and ownership and vice would versa. Know it, would know it better than any other gig that he's looking at right now between Detroit for sure. and now Milwaukee. Which is going to be interesting in its own right if the whole market just freezes up because all of these well, guys are going to be like... Well, that, was like... My, that was my thought too is that you know we kept hearing... Charles Lee has been associated with that Pistons job. He's a finalist. He's, He's in the final tree. Shams tweeted earlier in the week, reported, whatever you want to call it. It's essentially the same thing with when it talk about Shams Sharanian. Um, that Charles Lee, or that the Pistons were looking at this week to pick their head coach. That in itself would be very interesting if Charles Lee is ultimately selected or you never know. But well, we, that we, is... we just probably won't hear about it. And the fact that we haven't heard yet may be that, you know, they're calling, they're calling, and the phone's not getting picked up just now. I, don't, I thought I can you remember? Can you remember who the other two finalists were? I, they're not Jaron to... Collins and I believe Kevin Ollie. Okay, well, I don't believe. Listen, the net is going to be cast wide. Who knows? Kevin Ollie could find himself in the mix. I mean, if I was another team around the NBA, I would be, and I'm looking for a head coach, I would be making my offers and just being like, yeah, here's your, here's your head coaching job. Please sign on. Because the longer you wait, the longer you wait. Once the books domino falls, if everyone is scrambling at once, like the Rockets have actually, aside from getting into anything else to do with that hire, which I just don't want to, um, they have won out in a sense of getting ahead of the scramble. Yep. yep. So, and honestly, I might be kind of grateful that they moved when they did too, because that spares us from something else too. Um, there might be other teams still yet to do that too. We we don't know how these. I'm looking at you, a new ownership in Phoenix. You never know. And the whole Ty Lue thing was very interesting, like how that was considered going. 
so out of their way to say that Ty Lue will be back next year, and then now the rumblings have been weird there. A lot of it is potentially like just nonsense, like online nonsense. But it's always when you hear, just when anything is bubbling up, like don't take it at face value, but just don't dismiss it out of hand. It's like exactly. It's yes. like, yeah, keep it in the back of your mind. There's something, and obviously, they're not having the success they want to have, given the roster, given the expense. So... Spoilers! Jesus. That's my Steve Ballmer impression. <laughs> developers, developers, developers. Exactly. Um, to bring us back to John Horst. May I be so bold, Jordan, to just put it to you. What is your confidence level oh. in, in Horst getting this decision right? So, because I mean, maybe you didn't fully get to get into it there with me. You're you are to at least some extent on the same page as me with Horst, and that there's we'll say just a healthy. A healthy skepticism, if by nothing else, of the fact that he prides himself on being the man of mystery. That is, yes, that is the point that I'm going to try to make, but make it very respectfully, because ultimately this is the GM that helped supply and provide the um, one of the greatest moments of my life, <laughs> seeing the Bucks win a championship. But I do think he's a chameleon. I just, I really, I have no idea. I think the thing too about your question is that my confidence level, as I felt at that time, trying to recollect my thoughts and feelings on the Bucks in 2018 with no success, guaranteed given to the team. If anything, it was hardship after hardship because anything that looked promising would be dashed very quickly outside of Giannis. My belief in that them getting the right hire was high because Bud was it was very clear before and after he was Bud there. Left. Like he yeah, was there it was, for the it, taking. Yeah, it was he was there for the taking. It's like it was so obvious coming out of where we were coming from that you make that move. And we knew that if John Horace was not gonna be able to do it, well, it was either money. Or the ownership couldn't get out of their own way. And, you know, we still didn't know very much on how it wasn't like we had a belief in how the team was being built or, you know, I don't know. It was, it's very hard to go back to that time, but we knew that if they found the, found the right coach, which was clearly available at that time, that's all they had to do to put things together. Now I distinctly do not feel that way. And as much as I, you know, it's not like that. There's the circumstances all aren't all that different. Brooke was not even on the team at that point, and then it was a one year deal that was like, okay, they better keep him around for the long term. After that, Chris is facing the same thing. It's like, what do you do with your player option now? You're five years older, and that's that's the difference, though. That's the difference is those guys are all five years older. You have spent all of your assets and were at that point the idea that the books would be a tax team was 
honestly pretty hard to believe and was a question and a question and a question for even probably longer than it should have been of would they do it would they do it and they they certainly dodged it for as long as they could and um, yes. which not unfairly true that it didn't true the it lens didn't happen when it's gonna happen we're gonna be in it for quite a while so we want to make sure that we're not going in too early so that repeater taxes cripple us now the reality is also also I'm just, just putting it was a there. bonus that put them in the tax too exactly so it wasn't even like a decision that they were like yeah we're gonna this is what's gonna happen it had to happen because they won the freaking championship in order to trigger it which is the best bonus possible but it still is like that's not even a, a signal of intent or I, I don't know maybe they budgeted it out but I we don't have the papers in front of us Yeah, I I like just that is the thing. That is the difference. And that's that's the what's really interesting is that's the difference of horse own creation. And it's like not for nothing in doing it, he's helped to deliver a championship and they've had five years of going into the playoffs as one of the most meaningful contenders in the league. And we've seen very mixed results on how that panned out from there. But honestly, in the NBA. A 20% championship success rate. Like, if you can win it once in your five tries as a contender, that is not nothing. Lots of teams will, you know, put six or seven, eight years as a very good team together and they'll come out the other side and they won't have that to show for it. Um, so it's not something to be taken for granted. But I, in a lot of ways, where it's even if this, if the situation was as simple as it was five years ago, which there are definitely plenty of books fans who just didn't rate Bud and they're like, it just, just takes a, just need to get a good coach in there and they're going to win the championship next year. Even the job and the vision for the job is just like in an interview process. It's so, so different because I it's not untrue that this is like the job in the NBA this offseason. That's the one that everyone will and should want. I would also have questions, though, if I was going into that interview. Yes, 100%. Because... To bring it back to Bud, there's something a little reminiscent of honestly what happened to Bud on his way out of Atlanta, which is just the wind changed. (laughs) The wind changed on him, and all of a sudden, the kind of the key players to the success they were having that made them relevant were getting older, were getting more expensive. Honestly, and something that would be very. I remember it very, very vividly. Um, and in a way, I think it would be very comparable to the shock that if, say, Chris Middleton was gone this offseason. If just, yeah. if he decided, it was Al Horford leaving the Hawks, yeah. um, where news broke that they had agreed to a deal with Dwight Howard, which seemed very weird. The Hawks themselves maintained that their vision was to have... This is also during Bud's time as GM, correct? Yes. Murky time, but yeah, we'll say yes. Dwight Howard signs. Supposedly the vision was to have Dwight Howard, Al Horford, and Paul Millsap all on the roster. Big ball. Don't know about that. (laughs) Would I have liked to watch it? Yes. Uh, But... Don't know about that. Horford leaves. And just like that, bang. It's nothing is ever the same. And Bud no longer has Steve to worry about GM. Too, right? Travis, 
I think that, yes, he, Teague, went to the Teague, Teague went. Teague went to Indiana. I was going to say one year. Was was and he was there before to, Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah, he got. Yeah, traded. okay, that's all right. That's the sequence. Travis Lang came in. Ian Bud did not see eye to eye. Ownership had changed. They had entirely different visions for what the team were going to be. And just one one iteration of the franchise had come to an end. And they were staring into the future of, is there a way that we can keep two tracks going? Is there a way to refresh this? What happens? And Bud ends up not all that long into his tenure there. Not all that long from being, you know, the 60-win Hawks, the coach of the year. He just kind of stand there and like, what the hell happened? What am I? A losing team, dialing it in. That time, Kid is fired. And as you said, but is probably at that point already before that season is out. He is looking, he is looking longingly at Milwaukee and thinking, wow, wouldn't it be better to be somewhere like that? It's very easy for this hire to be, if not to the complete extreme of that, because Giannis could factor into this. But the books roster three years from now. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Does John Horst have to be bolder than we might like to think about or even than we kind of care to imagine this offseason? You're going to make this call. You're going to hire your coach. Do, do we need to be prepared for bigger, bolder change? I, I don't know, like, because I'm I'm trying to work out too. Giannis is um extension eligible in the not too distant future. Yes. Conventional wisdom, and you are Giannis, like you you're getting all the money in the world whenever you want it. But we hear so much about like the relationship that horse has built with Giannis, that ownership has built with Giannis. And then obviously there's the other side of it. Giannis's love for the franchise, for the city, whatever. Maybe all that is just real on every level. And you can go and you can talk to him and be like, look, we want to have you here for another, you know, name, name what you want the rest of your career to be. We want you here for that. We want to make sure that you win another championship and you win it here in Milwaukee. We want to try and get you in the postseason every year. Giannis, if you haven't noticed, you don't have to be the one seed to make a deep postseason run anymore. (laughs) We are going to become a slightly different team. We're going to have to do some things to try and build our next champion. You are going to be the constant. Are you in? Is this a good pitch, Jordan? Probably not. But I, I do I do think realistically, if the books are to kind of get out of the hole they've dug for themselves, which is just gonna be fodder time catching up on everyone, contracts winding down, players having no value to get what you need back in return to rebuild on the fly immediately without losing a step. I don't I don't think that will work. Like it it kind of feels like not next year. But by the year after that, I think the books would have to be in a spot if things haven't worked out where you're almost like, okay, we don't have a problem with being the sixth seed this year because we're going to make some changes that are going to get us moving back up again and again. 
that we know will have some good tools in place. And Giannis is 31, 32, 33-year-old seasons. We are going to be in position to win. I, I, This is not nice, and a lot of people, again, just might not be into this conversation. But I think this is tied into like everything that this summer is and everything that if you're a coach looking to commit to this team, you're going to be asking. Because, I mean, it could be as simple as the team that a coach is like desperate, the team that makes the book so desirable, that that's a one-year team, that a lot of those guys, you know, either are leaving of their own volition or are being moved on because the books have to change a year from now. There's just so many plates, so many plates spinning. So choices have to be made on which ones drop. I, I think it's a fascinating situation. I think it's an unbelievable challenge. And I don't know if the best GM in the NBA could honestly pull this off at this point. Like no. it, it, it's very easy to say, and again, could prove true for another year or two that, you know, Giannis cures all <laughs> and you could come out of this and the books could just find a way to keep doing what they're doing, but it is going to catch up. It is going to catch up and it's going to catch up before time is out on Giannis, unless some master strokes have pulled off. And like we alluded to and kind of in taking the wider view and Horst, You've got all those second rounders for Jay Crowder. You've got all those second rounders for Nikola Miritich. You've got trading for PJ Tucker, which was a very good value deal. And the, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's DJ Augustine somehow got you the bulk of the way towards what you needed to do there. DJ Wilson. <sighs> that was nice. The problem with those moves now, now, is that none of those were players that you wanted to or successfully managed to keep beyond that point. So there is no problem with paying a high price for a rental when you're in a win now mode and any player can push you over the edge. And with PJ Tucker, that happened. Push you over the ultimate edge. Yeah. Bucks could have done with PJ Tucker this season. Like, I, I think it's undeniable as much as... I think that is showing as Philadelphia is up 3-2 in the Celtics right now. For sure. And they they had him. And he would have loved to be back. And would have loved to see out his career. And they weren't that far off from bringing him back. They weren't. That is where, like, well, my... You're very far off. If you, it's a simple, It's as simple as if you don't get that done, you're... Your world's you apart. And I think that's how Tucker took it. And exactly. it is, he, it's just, it's as simple as you want me back. We want a championship together. This is what's out there for me on the market. Just like, let's do it. I'm, I'm here. I want to be here. We won. We got something special. Like, I'm, I'm not, again, we don't need to like relitigate all of that because all of it's obvious at this point. But that is the, it's not in kind of looking at what Horst has done, it's not that the individual decisions, people who listen know well how I feel about Nikola Miritich at this point. The move to land Nikola Miritich was not a bad one. Basically, every contender in the NBA was pretty locked in on him. Um, yeah. In hindsight, Marcus All would have been, you know, although the books had Brooks, they didn't need that, but there's... There is a clear in terms of the kind of profile of guy that was brought into teams at that deadline, how that worked out, whatever. 
you'll remember, I don't know if everyone else does though, Jordan, the reporting was that after that disastrous postseason, the Bucks still were interested in re-signing Nikola Miritich. Probably. No, that was the reporting at the time. Yeah. And he was like, no, they won't I'm, let me take the I last get shot. out of the league. <laughs> I'm going back to Europe. And to that, we say good riddance. Yeah. But that that is the example. It's like there's nothing wrong with horses, the way horses being really aggressive. That's what you have to do. It's the fact that every time he has that's played that ultra aggressive card, it has been the rental of a few months. That is and my. I, I'm point. just gonna say one thing before yeah. I let you in, John. I'm criticizing you for that. Well, let's keep that up one more time. Now <laughs> is not the time to change on that front. That's where I'm at with Horace is that you admire the way he has built the team over the course of an 82-game season and hopefully a playoff run that ends in a championship. I think my belief in that and talking about how we talked about you know five years ago predating Bud for that one season, it was very fly by the seat of your pants and they make the big move for Eric. Everything, it's been big, big, big. Making Eric going for Eric Bledsoe a month into the season, if not earlier than that. Horace has found that he's has been bold. He has been very aggressive in pursuing trade upgrades, all the like. The problem, again, not to repeat myself, but I'm going to just try to say it here a little bit more <laughs> delicately, I guess is that we're talking about a coach that you ideally want to have coach Giannis for the rest of his career. But obviously success is ultimately going to be the greatest judge of that. And when it's been the big move, it's been going after Eric Bledsoe, Jake Crowder, Nikola Mirotic, as you mentioned, he was high in demand that trade deadline. PJ Tucker, that was a long process but it was very clear that he was going to be on the move for Houston Rockets it was about experienced players that could upgrade even Bud this clearly obviously applies to Bud it's about experienced guys that can elevate your team whether it's a coach or a player role player star player whatever for me where I get a little worried in this process is that and to cross sports with my this analogy when the Packers were doing this at a similar crossroads when they finally moved on from Mike McCarthy after a long talk about uh, I forget the phrase already so I'm not even going to try to say it. Um, <laughs> when they moved on from McCarthy and it's about okay how do we sustain this window with Aaron Rodgers and you know clearly you just want to end it on the right note with Aaron Rodgers before he leaves for the New York Jets. They knew this at the time. Um, they end up picking Matt LaFleur, who, you know, we know Matt LaFleur now. He was a, a very well-traveled offense coordinator, part of the Shanahan tree, big part of, you know, how teams, like, it's Kyle Shanahan and all that stuff, that is applicable to the Spurs and, I guess, even Bud's coaching tree now. That would be the, the example, or I guess, comparison here. That took a lot of foresight to be like, okay, we're going to get someone that has never done this before, but has a fresh take, 
some foresight, all this stuff that could really, we think that could take that next step with this team. My thinking here is, is that I just, as much as a guy like Charles Lee or any assistant on any staff that has been well talked about, well-respected, all that stuff. Does that happen here? Do, do the Bucks ultimately hire someone like that? I'm using Charles Lee as the but proxy. Ta- for this. Take your own analogy, though. Does it matter? Matt Lafleur, proven himself to be a great coach. How did that work out? In terms of what he was hired for, in terms of we've got this generational all-time franchise great superstar here. We've got one. We want one more. We can't waste this. We're making a bold coaching hire. They made a good hire. It's title town, Jordan. What? Is there another title to show for it? There isn't. And that's that's sports. Like, yeah. we, we could. And you, I guess, have been probably recently. There's been reason for these kind of things to go up organically. Unpack some of that. On another podcast in the Eurostep Podcast Network called Talking to Tundra for all things Green Bay Packers. But, like, that's part of the challenge, too, because that is evidence of you can get the coaching decision right. And it's still, and there's you may be too far down a road, and that could be in terms of relationships, that could be in terms of just age profile, that could be in terms of a whole variety of things. And it's just, you've got to. Like, honestly, like that would be a great outcome if the Bucks got a few years like the Packers got, where the hope is there year in, year out. Now, my God, it is not materializing to much of anything fun for the Packers in that time. But part of this move is by design. Let's get more lottery tickets out of this thing, you know? And that that is yeah. something the Packers managed to do with that. What I will say... The ground is shifting underneath the books too. The changes to the CBA are making this even more difficult it's than the biggest it was when Horse made all of these various moves. It is not just like gonna test ownership's resolve, which with Jimmy Haslam coming in and getting his first tastes, it could be greater than ever. Like it, even if it is open checkbook season, though, that does not matter because the impact has now reached the point where it is going to cut into what you have available to offer free agents. Yeah. It, it is going to directly impact how your exceptions compare to teams who are not in this position and how you are equipped to compete even for like the, you know, the veteran quality free agent mid-level type guys. That is a very tough place to be in. To wrap it up. I Jordan, guess, uh, sorry, one more. Go on, go on. Maybe this is about where you're going to go to. My thing is, is that is the coaching job for the Milwaukee Bucks essentially a two-year, three-year gig for everybody that comes in until Giannis leaves or is retires? Because that's what that is essentially what the Bucks have said by firing Bud the way that they had. You know what I mean? If that's the case, though. Is the candidate out there that gives you just a better two years? Like, is the short term? I don't. I don't know if they are. I don't. Like, they could go away. That is more outside the box. A name that I've I've mentioned a few times. I guess privately, not that I'm advocating for this person at all, but for example, 
someone like Mike D'Antoni is just like, well, we've got two years on this. Offense has been a problem. <laughs> Let's just go wild. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you've got a really proven coach with pedigree, with a philosophy, a way of playing. It doesn't entirely mesh with the personnel of the books roster. We'd see all that. But you get what I'm saying just in terms of a profile of coach. If you're like, this really could be it. Like, we've got these two years and maybe Giannis decides to give us more than that. And that would be fantastic. But how much we're going to be able to do before that point, because they're in that really tough spot. If Giannis doesn't commit where you've got to stay competitive enough to get Giannis to resign. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing that in the interim, you are going to be a worse team at the point when he resigns. You are yes. not going to be the team that he wants or needs if you aren't retooling before that, but you probably lose him if you pull the trigger. Like that's rocking a hard place. There's there's no real way of winning on that unless you get some really like massive strokes of good fortune, which let's hope so. The books, if they're going to get some good luck, it would be nice. I don't know. Just find <laughs> the next Giannis, except he's undrafted because the books aren't gonna find their picks. next Gabe Vince. I'll we'll settle for Gabe Vincent. Mm, Gabe Vincent I think they guy. need more than Gabe Vincent at this point. A couple of years yeah. ago, Gabe Vincent would have been great. Uh, at this point, they need more. Um, okay, to wrap it up, I have been thinking about who does John Horst hire. And Eric Name had a piece in The Athletic on this subject of, you know, what what can we learn from the last time the Bucks hired a coach, which is the only time that John Horst himself has directly hired a head coach. And it's a very good piece, and I read the piece, and I came out of it with a go- very clear idea in my head of who he would hire. And then I thought that is purely based on what happened that time. And I do not know if that is representative of who John Horst is as an executive. Yep. Bingo. Bingo. Because to me, today, which is Thursday, May 11th, as we record this, if no one else of note, if a Monty Williams doesn't become available or Steve Kerr doesn't become available or Tyron Lou doesn't become available. Well, Tyron. <laughs> Whoa, I need to be careful. He could be the head coach. Coach Lou. The next coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, if it was to play out like he did last time, would be Nick Nurse. I don't think it's the right hire. It's not my pick. I'll spoil that much ahead of when we do that next time. That could be the way it goes. If they just go with the way they went last time, where it's like there's one clear, you know, there's one clear pick. I I didn't entirely agree with it, but I also thought um, the points that Coach Fisher made with Ty and Rowan were very interesting, at least, aside of what I hadn't thought of, which is just, yeah, this is a really... I mean, it's a veteran locker room. It's a really old team. Yeah. And a, a lot of the core guys, they've been together for a while, and you need someone who, when they walk in immediately, it's like, okay, we're going to listen to this guy because we know he, what he can do. I think there are different levels to that. I, I don't know entirely if that would be my greatest priority. If the books go that way, I'll 
I mean, I'll understand why they might value that. And if they do that, it's going to be Nick Nurse. Unless someone else emerges in the next few weeks, months, unless they lure someone away from a job, which is also something that they're... But again, to the point, what John Horst did last time may not be what John Horst is looking to do this time. Even though it feels like that is kind of the most logical profile of hire this time, even more so than it was before, is yeah. to be like, who is the proven winner? Who is the who is the guy that's there? Um, honestly, I just don't think there is one of the bud caliber this time. Resume-wise, I mean, Nurse has the championship, but he doesn't have the longevity or... Nope. He's been a lone wolf. Karina's his book. <laughs> I think, no, I think that, we'll uh, go on. That's the thing is that like, I just don't, I don't think people understand just how difficult it is to walk into that locker room. Now that the Bucks and your star player, your superstar player that you built everything around for hell the last eight years, seven years for sure. Um, he knows what it's like to win. Now you have to tell him, this is how we're going to start winning again. And it's like, well, we did it this way, and it worked until it didn't. I just, I don't think a lot of people understand how di how difficult that is. We think about, like, with Michael Jordan, the ultimate winner, I guess, in modern basketball era, I guess. When they make, they go to the chain from Doug Collins to Phil Jackson. We, Phil Jackson, an unproven assistant coach that didn't really have much of a resume before getting that gig. And how that empowered that team at that time across two different eras. Um, and it, that was, that was like how it was, not that they were, or you know the same but that's that is how it felt with bud is that that's how when you make that change with going from jason kidd to mike Budenholzer, this is the team that you envision for the next five to ten years well it was on the shorter you side got five yeah you got five you got one good year and four other very good ones that didn't end in the same vein as one one of them so i just i, I that's where i'm like again it's this black box of thinking it's like it works for the Bucks at that time. What works for the Bucks at that time does not necessarily work here, even though we could throw out the quotes that Horace made about like the Spurs model and everything like that. The Spur the Buck that does not exist with how the Bucks have operated under Horace and the ownership. <sighs> They're not viewing it as the San Antonio Spurs. They may view themselves as something I I don't believe it makes sense. But all you have to do is look at the shortlist and some of the guys you look at the interview already. You've got former Spurs assistants on there or you've got people that have come up under Bud. It, it, like, and I think that will continue as this broadens out possibly too. We could see other people with Spurs ties. Now, the other we part of that, will. I mean, Pop has been around so long that yeah. there are no shortage of people with Spurs ties around the NBA and every coaching search is going to have a lot of that but it feels like yeah that factors in more with the books I don't know Jordan 
I think at, the, close, the one my... thing, the one thing I'll say to close, this is, and this is it, and this will be a nice <laughs> teaser for the next episode that we'll be on. When you talk about how do you get like the right voice, the balance of the voice, and how difficult that is to walk into this locker room and tell these guys you've won one way and now you have to win another way. The person who's available who be may, may be best suited to doing that is Charles Lee. Because Charles Lee can walk in there and say, I know what won us those games. Yes. And we can't throw it out completely. But we can't deny that this has to change and we have to do some new things. Yeah. That only works, though, if Charles Lee is the guy when they do interviews. If it's like, this is a no-brainer. This guy is presenting us the best basketball plan, which he's got the inside track. He's got a chance to do that. But... I think there's kind of a lot of in-between candidates that is going to be pretty tough. To me, this is not suggesting they're my favorites or anything like it, but I this might boil down to what is a kind of a philosophical question of one way or the other, and this could be Charles Lee versus Nick Nurse. And on that bombshell. Motto or motto! Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. The Eurostep Podcast Network for all things Milwaukee books. Eurostep with Ty and Rohan winning six with myself and Jordan. As I said, crossover episode coming up next week to really, really talk about these coaches in some detail. If you want more on uh, the transition from Mike McCarty to Matt LaFleur and all things Green Bay Packers, talk to the Tundra is the place to find that. You'll get more of Jordan. Plus, you'll get a very healthy dose of Numac, which only a healthy dose of Numac is recommended. If you want to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers, you can be forgiven if you don't right now, but if you do want it, Jersey for Bruising is the place for that. Myself and Andrew Snyder talk all things Brewers, series to series, every few days throughout the season. And for all things pop culture and really kind of everything else that might come up from time to time, Make Time for This is the home for all of that. Um, up next-ish, I mean, we have a new episode dropping on David Lowry just around the time that this will post or maybe a little bit after. And then early next week, we'll have a, an episode on Succession, which may or may not have some people that aren't Andrew and I on it too. Who knows? It's, yeah, it's Brian Cox. He's decided he's doing more media. He's going to come on. Make time for this. For everything else, go to gspn.info. You can find the link to Repod there, to the Discord, to the merch store, everything else you might want to get involved in. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you.